0: Welcome to the fourth season of Better News, a series of special podcasts, It's All Journalism is Producing, in partnership with the American Press Institute. I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Better News offers strategies and case studies to help transform newsrooms. The effort is fueled by the American Press Institute and the Knight-Lenfest Local News Transformation Fund. The goal of this podcast series is to highlight some of the useful research the American Press Institute has published as part of its Better News initiative. Media critics often fault the news industry for only covering bad news. While William Randolph Hearst may have coined the concept, if it bleeds, it leads, that sentiment is not shared by those journalists working hard to make sure the community they're covering is a better place for their audience to live. The Arizona Daily Star recently flipped the narrative and added solutions-oriented reporting to its coverage rather than focusing solely on the problems of the community. Better News recently published a case study by editor Jill Jordan Spitz and solutions reporter Caitlin Schmidt about the Star's solutions-oriented reporting, and Caitlin's here to talk to us about it. Caitlin, welcome to the Better News podcast. Thanks so much for having me. So tell me a little bit about yourself. What got you interested in journalism, and and how'd you end up at the Arizona Daily Star?
1: Yeah, I definitely um, did not have a linear path to journalism. When I first moved out to Tucson in 2003, I went to and graduated from nursing school and quickly found out that career was not a good fit. So a friend of mine said, hey, you should come work with me at this restaurant. You'll make even more money waiting tables. And she was absolutely right. So I spent a fair amount of time bartending and waiting tables and knew that that was not a career and was not sustainable. But the one thing I really liked about it was connecting with my customers and talking to them and learning their stories and the fact that the news is always around you in the restaurant industry. There's a TV on with news, there's papers all over the place. So it seemed like a pretty logical step to go to journalism school. I had big dreams at first of uh, graduating and ending up at the Washington Post, but I did an internship right before my senior year at CNN, writing for their digital features desk. And it was so hard to live in a community and not report on that community. So I realized local news was where I really wanted to be. I had been apprenticing at the Star previously, and when I came back, I told them I wanted to work there, and have been doing so ever since.
0: Well, good for you. To be honest, you're the fourth person I know who was a uh, worked in, as a waiter, waitress, or bartender and got into journalism. So I guess that's a that's a well worn path. <laughs> for and all it the really reasons
1: prepares you, you. yeah, yeah
0: for, <laughs> for all the reasons you give. So. Tell me about the Arizona Daily Star. What type of paper is it? You know, how is it perceived in the community?
1: So the Arizona Daily Star, we serve Tucson and surrounding communities, and we're the largest news gathering organization in southern Arizona. We've been publishing since 1879. We have a couple different sister publications. One of them is called La Estrella, and that's for our Spanish-speaking audience. And then we launched a couple years ago another product called this is tucson and that really focuses on all things fantastic and lovable about tucson so we are trying to reach as many folks as we can uh, whether they be younger or older english or spanish speaking we want to talk to them more.
0: i think on an earlier episode of better news or maybe our sister podcast it's all journalism we did interview a reporter or actually an editor at la estrella But anyway, it's an interesting community. So, you know, you did this case study for Better News. What was the problem you were trying to solve?
1: So, our newsroom, um, like most newsrooms, has gotten smaller over the years, especially the last decade. And we really had chosen to prioritize investigative and watchdog reporting. And that all went really well. We thought, you know, it was going great. We were really proud of the work we were doing. But When Jill, my editor, was speaking at a retirement community a while back, somebody asked her, why do you hate Tucson? And it occurred to her at that point that a lot of people thought that our coverage was skewing too negatively. So instead of cutting back on that investigative reporting, because that is such an important part of a news organization, we decided to turn to solutions to kind of balance the scales. So that was the impetus there.
0: That's an interesting... Usually. It's not that so plain. And and it's nice that you reacted to somebody giving you constructive criticism (laughs) as opposed to we're going to do what we're going to do. Who cares? But recognizing that what you're producing was value, but maybe the way it was presented or, or the way you incorporated it into the reporting that you were doing. So had you had any experience in solutions journalism before this?
1: Yes, mostly in the project form. So we had partnered with them for several projects over the years. Some of my colleagues did a large multi-state project about foster care system. There was another project about the future of our air force base, And then in 2019, I did my own solutions project about the state of Title IX in university athletic departments and explored who was doing it better than the University of Arizona at the time. So we, we knew about it. And in my recent reporting, kind of before we made it an official beat, most of my stories were kind of solutions oriented anyway. Tucson is a community of fixers. I think we as a country and as a city are in the middle of several crises, housing, substance use. And our local governments have been really proactive about trying to fix these problems by inviting in community groups and other organizations. So by the time I would get to an issue to start writing about it, the sources that I would talk to always were ready to tell me, and here's what we're doing to fix it. So it kind of was happening already.
0: Taking a solutions journalism approach and developing a beat. How is that different than what like a, a normal reporter is supposed to do about covering a story?
1: Yeah. So I mean, my beat is everything, which is really exciting. I've written stories about housing, the criminal justice system, environmental issues, I really the entire newsroom. So instead of focusing on, on a specific beat, I get to cover everything. And instead of Focusing my stories on the problems themselves, the narrative really shifts to the solution to the problem. Of course, we talk about the issue, but you know the ratio is much different in solutions reporting.
0: Now, I know you mentioned a couple of stories in there. Can you give me an example of how you would incorporate, or how you have incorporated solutions journalism in the way you're doing your reporting?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been writing a lot about housing lately. You know, housing crisis is hitting everywhere, we have so many more unhoused individuals in Tucson, and the number is going up weekly, daily. But instead of focusing our reporting, my reporting on this problem is that it's getting worse, I am going out in the community and talking to groups about what they're trying to do to help. I've done stories about um, the city and how the city is converting old hotels into temporary and transitional housing to get folks out of camps. I've done a couple different stories about nonprofits that are trying to build tiny homes for specific populations. Foster kids aging out of the system, transgender women of color. One of our other reporters did a project on, you know, what is the solution to the housing crisis? What are some of the ways that we can bring affordable housing back? So, you know, instead of dwelling on the issue, we're really tapping into what folks in our community and beyond are doing to help other people overcome that issue.
0: Now, I think you kind of touched on this, but I do want to ask, usually when like a reporter will, you know, write a story, they'll go to the officials, they'll get the quotes from the officials and maybe somebody who's directly impacted by it. But you said that one of the things you do is you go and talk to the people who are really kind of affected and, you know, engage them to understand their problem. Is there anything you're doing? You know, I've talked to other people who use solutions journalism where they'll, for example they'll have a you know i'm going to be setting up a table at the the school board meeting outside the school board meeting you can come meet me or mm-hmm. you hope host some kind of place where people can come up and talk to you about a, a particular problem have you done anything like that
1: oh my goodness yes a ton of it starting almost from the very beginning i'm part of a fellowship right now with the solutions journalism network to pitch a project and really advance that project and so My project was turning the solutions beat, which at that point was only a few months old, into one that's really guided by the community. So I've done a lot of work to break down that fourth wall. I launched a survey in February that we sent out to readers and beyond. I posted flyers out in the community on bulletin boards. I designed postcards that we sent out to certain zip codes where we knew that we had a low subscriber rate to try to engage people that were not already reading the paper And then I set up at events as well. We have a huge festival of books in February that comes out for two days, and I had a table the whole time. And people really loved meeting and talking to a reporter and and being able to tell somebody about the problems that they were facing and that they wanted to know how to fix. So I've done a lot of that. We also did a community listening session over Zoom, and I got 30 people to commit two and a half hours on a Saturday morning to having deep, nuanced discussions about the kind of solutions that they wanted to see us report on. We've done a lot of work to try to get in touch with the community, including a newsletter that I now have every two weeks that is really open-ended and invites response most of the time.
0: Yeah, I found that a lot of things you described, initially you might go, oh my God, this seems like so much work. But I mean, you're planting seeds from which other things are going to grow and bear fruit, that they're going to bring you to other stories. And especially if, you, if you're out in the community, you know that's, that's an opportunity for you to learn about stories that you didn't even know existed. And maybe even readjust your focus on, oh, I thought that the concern was this, but actually it's this. Is, is that been kind of the experience you've had?
1: Definitely. That listening session that we had was really valuable. We have an extremely talented, very knowledgeable environmental reporter here who churns out stories. And I really had thought, you know, and he's got environment covered. I don't need to delve into there. But the feedback from the listening session was people desperately wanted more information about solutions for water crisis, for solar issues, for climate change. So that really has informed my recent reporting. I've done a couple stories about solutions to climate change that are happening locally, and those do really well in analytics. So getting out and talking to people and hearing what they have to say, I, I mean, has made my reporting better and has made this beat better for sure.
0: The question I should have asked towards the beginning is what you set out to do. But I assumed, I guess, because this kind of sprang from This feedback that that your editor had gotten or or you had gotten at the senior place, senior center or whatever, that what was sort of driving this was sort of changing the perception of of your audience. But I would imagine also there probably were some engagement goals in there as well and readership goals.
1: Yes, certainly. I mean, we're always trying to grow our digital subscription base and our community is 40% Hispanic. So we're also trying to reach that audience a little better and incorporate more of those voices into our stories. So absolutely, solution stories have, they tend to include diverse sources because we really want to touch on how these problems are affecting different communities and what different communities are doing to help. And it really has helped us fill in the gaps in our coverage as well. I mean, our newsroom has slimmed down a lot. We we only have really major beats and a lot of the holes in our coverage has existed in, in social service areas. So this beat really has focused a lot on that and I think has helped fill in a lot of those gaps.
0: How did you measure all that? What was the you know, measure of success?
1: We're trying a couple different ways to measure it. Of course, we're looking at analytics. That doesn't mean that if a story on a particular topic is performing poorly, we're not going to write about that anymore. But it does help us see what people are really responding to, as well as time on page. I don't tend to write short. Most of my stories are really long. And it's nice to see that people are hanging in there and reading all the way to the end, which is where we have those really valuable resource boxes about how they can get involved. I mean, we're also talking to people. The survey has been really helpful, and I have to say that it's quite rare that I publish a story and don't receive an email from a reader wanting to engage with the work. Those little boxes that we have with the stories on how to get involved actually came about because for the first few, we weren't doing that, and I was getting flooded with phone calls and emails from people that wanted to volunteer or donate or help this group in some way. So I just decided to cut them off at the pass and put all that in the story already. So...
0: Is there anything that you've done that hasn't worked well or that you haven't had sort of a a 100% positive outcome from?
1: I mean, you know, I think I would love to have gotten, you know, thousands of survey responses instead of hundreds, but I think that's just the nature of surveys and we only launched one it's probably time to come back and and launch another one and maybe make it a little shorter and try to hit up a different audience. But I really feel like we've been successful in a lot of what we've been doing. Part of my fellowship is also to train other reporters in the newsroom. And we have a couple of reporters that really have gotten excited about this kind of reporting and really have embraced it. So I think a lot of what we're doing is, is working really well. And we've had so many unexpected responses. I, I really didn't think the level of engagement would be as big as it would was at first. And that made the decision to break down that fourth wall really easy. Once people wanted to talk to me, well, oh my gosh, of course I want to talk to them as well.
0: It's a lot easier when you have somebody who's enthusiastic or at least interested in in giving you their time. Uh, it's, we've all been in that position where we've had a source that just didn't want to talk to us. So, you know, I know we talked about, you know, the measurement and also how things worked and, and sort of the feedback and engagement you got. Can you point to any things in the community that have maybe changed from this approach?
1: The one that I'm really excited about, one of the stories that I wrote about last year was a nonprofit that's trying to build tiny houses that's been going on for Tucson for almost a decade and nobody has successfully gotten a tiny house village off the ground but this one seemed really close. They had a really good plan. They had already engaged a service provider to provide on-site wraparound services. Once it was built, but they already had an order in for the pallet homes. The only thing that they didn't have was land. And so we wrote this story about it. And a few days later, somebody came forward with a several acre land donation that they can use rent free for several years. So we have land now. And that just felt great that somebody read that article and passed it on to their loved one and up came that land. So, I mean, it's really nice to know that, that you're affecting change.
0: Yeah. It's one of the reasons why so many of us are, are still in journalism is that when we do see those things happen, they're just such, you know, you feel good to be part of that process if you're making a, a positive change. And here we are with solutions journalism, which like from step one is we're looking to report on stories that are going to benefit people and that, are going to, that people want to see addressed. So I know you kind of described your method. How do you begin a, a solution journalism story?
1: So I always keep those four pillars in mind that the stories are supposed to include, which is the response, the evidence that the response is working, insight that could help others and barriers. And I go in kind of with that approach. I've been doing this, this beats a little more than a year old now, so I can spot them instantly when they come to my inbox. I mean, I'm very quick at emailing my colleagues and saying, I think I have this one. So if there's a story about somebody that's trying to fix a problem, I mean, it, it's really easy to turn it into a solutions piece, right? There are very few unique ideas out there anymore. So most people are borrowing or taking an idea from elsewhere. And many communities, law enforcement, education are really quick to give credit to others for the ideas that they're using. So you know if i'm writing about a new program that's just been implemented in Tucson where we don't have the evidence of success yet i can go back to the location where they got the idea from and get the data there so it's it's really just reframing the way that you think about stories and i think we all know you know during the pandemic people got really fatigued with this bad news thing and they didn't want to hear bad news anymore and i and i think everyone felt really helpless too so if i can give them a little bit of of a spark about something they can do to help an issue that is just too big for any of us to handle on our own like climate change. That feels a lot better than kind of beating people over the head with this insurmountable issue.
0: If a person thinks that the only way to fix climate change is to stop people in in Southeast Asia from, you know, cutting down trees, it's difficult for them to get engaged in the issue, not realizing maybe that there are other things that they could be doing uh, that could be just as beneficial. So What advice would you give to another newsroom, another reporter who wants to uh, take this sort of approach?
1: I mean, breaking the fourth wall, I think, has been so valuable for us. Using it as an opportunity to engage with readers and people that aren't yet our readers. I think that has really helped guide our decisions and coverage. I would suggest everybody do that. Um, You know, we don't have to be this monolith that sits separately from the society we write about. We are people just like the folks that we write about, that we share in our TV stories. I mean, there's no reason we can't engage with them. So I would suggest that. And then these solution stories don't have to be big project stories. You know, it doesn't have to be a trend story about climate change as a whole. It really can be about one person in their own backyard who's working to change this issue as long as you hit most of those four pillars. So, I mean, I think because there has been so much like large scale solutions work, a lot of it is in the form of projects. I think sometimes newsrooms, especially smaller newsrooms, feel like that's something that they can't build in. But really any news feature about someone, something working to fix a problem, fill a gap in equity, break down a barrier, that can be turned into a solution story.
0: Yeah, again, that's that's what's nice about it. And I guess that's the, the advantage of of your beat is actually creating a beat for this this is the beat that's being given sort of a wide swath of things that they're going to look into but not so much from what the subject is but from what would work well as a solutions journalism story i guess i've been talking to reporter caitlin schmidt about the case study she co-wrote for better news about solutions oriented reporting at the arizona daily star caitlin thanks for coming on the better news podcast
1: thank you so much for having me
0: Thanks for listening to Better News, a co-production of the American Press Institute and It's All Journalism. API's Better News Initiative offers strategies and case studies to help transform newsrooms. You can find out more about the Better News Initiative and this podcast at betternews.org.